Travel back in time with me to the first century and to the city of Jerusalem. Near the Sheep Gate is a large pool with five patios around which lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. Can you see them? It's a picture of lost hope. Jesus arrives and says to a man who had been ill for 38 years, do you want to get well? What a strange question. Or was it? Some people are quite comfortable in their illness. They've grown accustomed to the attention and might have even found a way to profit from it. What about you? Do you want to get well? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis, and whether you're listening on radio, on your mobile device, or online at somethinggoodradio.org, thanks so much for stopping by. And are you facing a challenge that seems impossible to overcome? Is there something in your life, a sin, a habit, an addiction, from which you can't seem to break free? If so, you've come to the right place because today Ron reminds us that Jesus is still in the miracle business. Stay with us now as he continues his series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus, or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From John chapter five, here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Poolside Miracle. Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, The Poolside Miracle. Well, hope is a, is a very powerful thing, especially when it rises up in the human spirit. I think this is why politicians often like to uh, insert hope into their political campaigns. You may remember during the Barack Obama years uh, a phrase called hope and change. Uh, he ran for president twice on that theme. In fact, even leading up to his first presidential election, he wrote a book called The Audacity of Hope uh, because everybody understands that, that hope is a very, very powerful thing. Uh, biblical hope, though, is different from how we would normally think about hope. Uh, you may have been in a conversation that goes something like this. Will the Cubs win the World Series next year? And a true Cubs fan will say, we hope so. <laughs> and it's the kind of hope that is not based on the confidence that it will really happen tomorrow. It's just kind of a, a misplaced hope, maybe a, a wishful thinking, right? You insert your favorite team. But we, we talk about hope all the time that way. It's really nothing more than wishful thinking, but that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is the confident expectation that God will do exactly what He says He will do because He is able to do it. In fact, He is more than able to do it. He will do it exceeding and abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine. That's the God of the Bible, and uh, that's what biblical hope is all about. Now, there are a lot of people today, even some Christians, who are caught in a trap of despair and hopelessness. They've lost all hope. Uh, in fact, you might even say that their, their, their life is, um, 
is an expression of, of hopelessness, that they, they don't have a confidence that things will be better for them tomorrow. Well, if that describes you today, you're in the right place, and we're in the right place of Scripture because 2,000 years ago, a group of people, most of them sick and blind and lame, uh, withered, paralyzed, uh, physically infirmed in some way, they gathered in a place in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda. And the scene around that, uh, that, that pool was one of hopelessness, not of hope gained, but of hope lost. And we learn about these people, and we read about their story in John chapter 5, and I'd like to re- read beginning in verse 1 through uh, about verse 9 to get us started this morning. You follow along as I read. It says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went, went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in uh, Aramaic, which is called, uh, in Hebrew rather, uh, Bethesda, having five porticos. And in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters, for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now, the pool of Bethesda 2,000 years ago was located a little bit north of the Temple Mount uh, near what was then called the Sheep Gate. When we go to Israel today, we stop off at the uh, pool of Bethesda. It's now called the St. Stephen's Gate. But for many centuries, it was, it was buried in a bunch of rubble. But back in the 1960s, given all the excavations that are still going on in Jerusalem, they discovered the Pool of Bethesda. And it's one of the magnificent places to go to when you visit the Holy Land, and particularly when you go to the uh, city of, of Jerusalem. Uh, next to uh, the, the Pool of Bethesda, uh, a little church was built many centuries later called St. Anne's Church. And this is kind of an aside, but I always love going there because the acoustics in St. Anne's Church are, are fantastic. And before you actually get to the Pool of Bethesda, uh, you go into St. Anne's Church and, and, and you sing. You, you, you sing hymns, you sing songs of praise and worship. And if, it, if you're really fortunate that day, you might have other groups with you from other parts of the world and other parts of the country, other followers of Jesus, and you sing together in that beautiful church, St. Anne's Church. You come out of there and you go this way, and there's the pool of Bethesda. Back then, it was a popular kind of hot springs, a natural hot springs. Uh, some of the springs that ran under the city of Jerusalem would, would run under this place, and uh, they would fill the pools there. There were, there were many, of, many of these pools. And um, every once in a while, that, that water would bubble up And there was this kind of silly, we might almost say superstitious belief that when those hot spring waters bubbled up, an angel of the Lord appeared. 
And, and those people who were sitting around the pool that were sick and blind and lame and infirmed in many different ways, uh, the idea was the first one to get into the water when the angel of the Lord bubbled up that pool would be healed. Now, if you uh, have a copy of the Scriptures in your hands, you might notice from the middle of verse 3 of chapter 5 to verse 4, either that's missing or it's footnoted in uh, either the margin or the bottom of your Bible. That's because scholars tell us that in most of the best manuscripts we have, the middle of verse 3 and verse 4 is not included. And many scholars believe it might have been added later to kind of explain what this, this sick man said to Jesus in verse 7 about how, hey, no, nobody is around to help me get into the water. And it was an explanatory note. Nonetheless, in the middle of verse 3 and forward, it says that the, the sick and the blind and the lame, the withered, the paralyzed, all of them gathered around waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then was first after the stirring stepped in and was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. That's why everybody went to the pool of Bethesda, for the healing powers of the waters. Now, there's a fine, fine line between faith and superstition. This is really a silly superstition that had grabbed hold of the people back in the first century 2,000 years ago. And it filled some people's hearts with hope, hope that maybe when those waters bubbled up, you know, I might be the first one in and the angel of the Lord would heal me. It's not unlike some of the uh, resurgence of these kinds of healing waters that are bubbling up in the travel industry today. There are a lot of uh, wellness resorts and destination spas that are uh, popping up around the world, promising all kinds of, uh, you know, healing rituals and bath rituals that, that might heal the body. Uh, many times um, they're, they're talking about uh, natural hot springs waters like the ones maybe in Hot Springs, Arkansas, or other places like that, and there's some kind of a medicinal uh, benefit to being in those waters. It, it reduces skin infections and other things like that. When we go to Israel, we go to the Dead Sea. And it's in the southern part of Israel, and it's called the Dead Sea because there aren't any living creatures in the Dead Sea. But for centuries, the Dead Sea has attracted people from around the world because of its mineral-rich content. And people come from all around the world, some of them bringing with them superstitions that if they just, you know, wade into the Dead Sea, they'll be healed. Others understanding that it's just maybe, you know, medicinally helpful to the skin and otherwise. In fact, when you float around in the Dead Sea a little bit for 15 or 20 minutes, you can feel the tingling in your skin. And ladies, there's a wonderful cosmetic shop there called Ahava. First time I went, I brought my wife back some Ahava cosmetics, including some wrinkle cream, and I never heard the end of it. <laughs> never heard the end of that until she went with me the next time to Israel and got that packet again and had all kinds of one. And there are men's cosmetics there. It's one of these destination spas. It's a wellness resort down at the Dead Sea, and we spend a day and a night or maybe a, a couple of days there when we go to Israel. The Pool of Bethesda was kind of like that, mixed in with some silly superstition that when the hot waters bubbled, oh, it was an angel of the Lord. And if I get in there first, I might be healed. Well, one day Jesus showed up at the pool of Bethesda. 
And there was a guy hanging out in the pool of Bethesda or nearby who had been an invalid for 38 years. What's interesting is in this story is Jesus didn't heal everybody at the pool of Bethesda. He didn't even talk to everybody at the pool of Bethesda. He just talked to one man and ended up healing one man. And that's because we can surmise from this that Jesus' priority is not our physical healing. He, he could have just, I suppose, waved His hand over the crowd and healed every one of them there. But He selectively performed miracles primarily as evidence to show that He was indeed the long-awaited Messiah. And John records these uh, not so that we can get our miracle and figure out how to do that, but so that we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a man who had been there not at the poolside for 38 years. We don't know how long he was there, but he had been an invalid for 38 years. And we might just say hopelessness had become a way of life for this man. And, and he gets into a conversation here with Jesus Christ and this conversation helps us, well, I'll just package it this way, helps us know what to do when we've almost lost hope. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us anytime so that our ministry team can join you in prayer. And while you're there, be sure to check out our online store for a host of great resources. You can also sign up for Something Good Digital Magazine, a free monthly publication that's delivered right to your inbox. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Starting Point, a Disciples First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. That's Starting Point, where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. God can deliver anyone from sickness, from sin, from addiction. The question is, do you want to be made well? Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Poolside Miracle. Maybe you're here today and you say, I could be in that group, the sick, the blind, the lame, the withered, the paralyzed. Can I just add a category this morning? The addicted? The addicted to substances like alcohol, tobacco, drugs, even addicted to sex. I mean, those are the kinds of people that gather at the pool of Bethesda today, and they border on having lost all hope that tomorrow could change, that tomorrow could be a better day, that they could be freed up and healed of their infirmity or their addiction of some kind. When you've almost lost hope that anything's going to change in your life, that's when Jesus shows up. And he has a conversation with this man who had been an invalid for 38 years. Some of you have been addicted to something for decades. And the hopeless trap of despair that you're in has become a way of life. You're in a good place today because we're going to have a conversation with Jesus and ask some hard questions about how, how do you become free of this? How does God heal a person that is caught in that kind of trap? Well, let me suggest several things. Number one, you must, you must desire healing deeply. Why do I say that? Look in verse 6. 
It says, when Jesus saw this, this man lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? <laughs> That's a really strange-sounding question, isn't it? I mean, here he is at the pool of Bethesda. There are people laying around everywhere, hoping for a miracle this day. And Jesus walks up to one of these men and asks the strangest-sounding question I can find in the pages of Scripture. A guy who's been an invalid for 38 years, do you wish to get well? If you think about it, it's not all that strange of a question. It's the first question to ask of somebody who is caught in a trap of despair and hopelessness. Do you really want to get well? Because some people, quite frankly, are comfortable in their hopelessness. They've made hopelessness a way of life. They may have even turned it into a cottage industry. We have them showing up at our doorstep quite frequently here at the church, people who make the rounds to the different churches. They have a story to tell, often a very, very sad story. Not always sure that it's a true story, but they've, they've turned a victim mentality and hopelessness into a cottage industry. And it's a fair question to say, do you really want to get out of that, or are you just trying to scam us in some way? Uh, some people are, uh, they love the attention. They might even fear change and the responsibility that comes if they're truly healed and set free. And so Jesus explored all of this with the man in the beginning. Do you really deeply desire to get well? Because the implication here is from Jesus, I can't help the person who doesn't want help. I can't help the person who doesn't want to get well. You ever heard that phrase, God helps those who help themselves? You might think it's in the Bible, but it's not. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, that's not a verse found anywhere in the Old or New Testament. You know, God helps those who help themselves. But this story lands really, really close to that principle. Do you wish, sir, Mr. Invalid of 38 years, do you really wish to get well? Because if you don't, I can't help you if you don't want help. I mean, genuine help, deep help. Again, I'll just say it again, that some people are comfortable in their circumstances of helplessness. They may even use that to play the victim card, the poor me card. Uh, maybe they fear the change. Maybe they uh, don't want to take on the responsibilities that will come to them if they're healed. They've, just, they've made helplessness a way of life. And this may be true of the infirmed. It may be true of the addicted as well. Because you've found that whatever ailment you have draws attention to you and maybe even resources your direction. So a fair question is, do you wish to be well? If you desire that deeply, then Jesus is here to help you. Number two, stop making excuses. Look at how the man answered him in verse 7. Uh, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Okay, well, you know, he's, he's not a scam artist. He's not somebody who, who doesn't want any help. 
Uh, the implication is he, he desires help, but he's got an excuse here. He says, every time the water bubbles up, somebody gets into the water before I do, and I never get my healing. It's an excuse. And uh, I had a football coach in high school that used to say excuses are like armpits. Everybody has two of them, and they both stink. So I don't want to hear your excuses, he said. <laughs> When Jesus arrived on the scene, this man was out of excuses because he was a miracle-working God. But he's going to probe. He's going to prod. Do you wish to get well? By the way, that question reminds me of uh, Augustine of Hippo. You ever heard of him in church history? Uh, Augustine was one of the early church fathers. Even today in the Catholic church, there is a, there's a vein of uh, belief uh, known as the Augustinian tradition. It dates back to the second and third century when Augustine of Hippo was one of the great bishops and church fathers. And he wrote many books that you can still get today that are classics, one of them called his Confessions. And in his Confessions, he's famous for this prayer. Uh, Lord, he, he prayed this when he was 19 years old. He says, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. You know, we would say, Lord, give me purity. Uh, give me moral discipline but not yet. It's kind of like the alcoholic who says, I'll stop drinking tomorrow, <laughs> and he's got a bottle hidden over here somewhere, all right? He's not really serious about it. He, he doesn't deeply desire healing. He wants to hang on to his… He's reluctant to give up his favorite sin, doesn't desire it deeply or deeply enough, and he's got a litany of excuses as to why He's never changed for 38 long years. Well, Jesus sees a glimmer of hope and faith in this man, and it leads me to the third thing, and that is do the impossible. Desire healing deeply, stop making excuses, and then do the impossible. Jesus says in verse 8, get up, take up your pallet and walk, and it says immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Poolside Miracle, is part of Ron's series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Look for it under the resource tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Believe the Miracles of Jesus, a teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones that explores the eight miracles of Christ found in the Gospel of John and what they mean for us today. All of us here at Something Good Radio hope you can join us on our upcoming trip to the Holy Land. Visit somethinggoodradio.org for more information or to reserve your spot today. Something Good Radio only exists through the prayers and financial support from friends and listeners like you. That's how Ron stays on the air all year round, sharing the good news of the gospel in a world in which bad news is all too common. As you're able to give a gift this month, Ron will say thank you by giving you the audio download of the teaching series you're hearing now, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. That's Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Request your download of all nine messages in the series today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices 757-276-1099. Every sin is addicting. Maybe you're addicted to bitterness today. 
and you've been stuck in that cycle of bitterness for decades, and you've just decided, that's the way I am. No, that's not why Jesus Christ came into your life. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things are increasingly becoming new. You don't have to remain in that state of despair and hopelessness. If you really want help, if you really want to change, the power of God is available to you. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ranjun's message, The Poolside Miracle. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.